0: Hey ladies, welcome to the Yas and Amen podcast, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Prisciles Dominguez. Let's get it. Hey friends, we are here for another episode that is me teaching. I know that's been a few recent episodes where it's mainly me teaching. I'll be having actually a lot more guests later in this season but i really wanted to come out with this episode because this was actually something i covered through instagram instant stories probably early last year so about a year ago but it really is a really important thing for us to consider because so much of church abuse and scandals and trauma that people experience in the church or through the church is something that is actually perpetuated it's perpetuated and permitted and as the body of Christ we get to respond with dismantling the perpetuation and no longer permitting but sometimes we actually aren't even aware of what it is that perpetuates it or how we have included ourselves in the perpetuation of church abuse scandals and hurt and this is not so you know people can stop being celebrity pastors or um you know someone can come and repent it's actually a bigger picture it's so the body of Christ can be healthy It's so God can be glorified and it's so people in the world could get a better picture of Christ through us if we're really considering what it means to live as a Christian in this world, it really isn't just about our healing and our freedom and our relationship with Christ. It's a bigger picture thing. It's so much about everyone else around us. It's about our neighbor. It's about the person that we don't even know. It's about our enemy. It's about those people that we love. It's about everyone else. When we say yes to God, it is a big yes because it involves so many other components. Um, And so to prevent or kind of want to dismantle and the what thing the things that perpetuate church abuse and scandals and hurt and trauma is essential and is really important so when we consider this in the scripture where first corinthians it says suffer with those who suffer this is it this is us considering that this is a whole body issue. This is not just about those who have been hurt. This is not just about those who have done the hurting. This is about the body of Christ. So let's talk to through these 10 things. I don't want to hold you here forever. So I'm not gonna go into them deeply, but I am gonna give a overall review of each thing. So the first one is covering the truth. This is something that we actually can do and end up doing, in different circumstances especially if we work in a church right and so our responsibility is to Jesus and to the body of Christ and because that is the case when we cover the truth perhaps in in considering oh well that's what's honorable or that's what's needed in this circumstance or that's what um, we're trying to figure out in the background what's best in the meanwhile the truth has not been revealed, right? And sometimes this can be done in a way that actually also harms people, but also the people who are doing the harming. So in a church that I was previously a part of a few years ago, a friend of mine uh, who was co- my coworker left, right? And they have, there was a whole service. He was a part of it. He was, you know, how they say prayed out and blessed out and all these things. About nine months later, I actually found out why he actually was fired. So even as a staff member, I didn't, and sorry, he wasn't fired. He resigned. I found out nine months later why he resigned, Right, And so there was an entire amount of covering of truth. And then in those nine months, I endured a lot of spiritual abuse and a lot of suffering while working there and not even knowing that my friend and co-worker also had that experience. Right, And so when we cover the truth, and I'm not actually referring to my friend covering the truth in that moment, I'm referring to the pastors covering the truth in that moment because That was their responsibility to communicate the truth. Actually, he quit. He's not being blessed out or prayed out, all these things. He actually chose to quit. And there is a reason he chose to quit, right? And so when we think about covering the truth, there is an essential part as the body of Christ that we need to hold people responsible and accountable. So many people these days are having to sign NDAs and also back in the day. That, for example, is already a red flag to in the future cover the truth. And so when we think about NDAs, we can all have different opinions, right? But, But really what it does is perpetuates the culture of covering the truth. And if we consider that we are Christian and Jesus is the truth, and he says that all truth will come to light, then we should be wanting the truth to come to light as well. Now this can be a discerning moment because we can we can mix mix it up with gossip and that's different. I'm not talking about gossip, but I am talking about us speaking the truth, communicating what actually happened and not trying to cover for the for the safety of oh we want people to not think something badly of Jesus or we want people to not think something badly of the church. They're going to do it anyways <laughs> because you're covering the truth, right? And so the truth is essential and we need to stop perpetuating spaces where we are covering truth. Or if we know truth is being covered, that we just allow it. The second thing is affirming, being yes people, being yes people to people that don't need to hear a yes, to people who need to hear a no, to people who need to be held accountable, to people who need to actually be confronted in a gracious and loving way, but not to just be told yes. Our culture of affirming and encouragement perpetuates this, perpetuates scandals, perpetuates church abuse. And so when we consider, who do I affirm? What do I affirm? And I'm not saying you to cancel people, right? We will go the other end and we're like, well, if I'm not affirming this person, then the other end must be canceling. No, the other option is not canceling. The other option is accountability. So the opposite of affirming in these spaces is to be held and hold accountable. And that really can only happen in community. But let's say we are in a distance, right? We are trying to not affirm someone who is we feel that is a false teacher or someone who is an abuser that hasn't been stepped down and we don't we don't personally know them in the sense that we are not in their immediate circle we can hold we can hold our stance and not affirm by not supporting their ministry by not investing for perhaps financially in their ministry right we don't have to badmouth them but we also don't need to support them and so we think about some celebrity pastors and some people who are huge that are perhaps abusers or people in the middle caught in the middle of scamming and so much of why they are in that position is because of us, y'all, is because we are elevating them. And so we need to be people who are willing to not affirm everyone and not yes, everyone, but hold people accountable. The third thing is tribalism. Oh, Lord, making church about a human and others instead of God, right? If we really think about the church that we're a part of, take, take a second to think about the current church you're a part of. Think about the language, that is communicated there, the culture that is said there, how people dress, how people act, the way that church is, it can become that you have now been a part of a tribe, not just the body of Christ, but you sound and look like a tribe. And in the sense that if you were to go to a different city and a different town, and people know about that church and people know about the culture and all that stuff, they could tell from afar that you're from it. You are now actually a part of a tribe. And people might think, oh, well, that's not so bad, but sometimes it can give vibes and signs of cult-like things. I'm not saying you're a part of a cult, but what I am saying is that tribalism makes us so devoted to a community because we talk like everyone in the community. We look like everyone in the community. We think like everyone in the community that if ever someone says something wrong or ever or someone says or does something unbiblical, it's kind of like not really addressed or not really considered because we're so wrapped around being our tribe that we forget what actually scripture says of how we should be and who we should be right? We think about the Old Testament, there are tribes, there are the 12 tribes of Judah, there's different tribes in the Old Testament. But actually, now there are no tribes, right? Like there are no specific tribes. And people could consider perhaps denominations to be the new version of tribes. But even that there is a gift to see within denominations, while also there are divisive components to having denominations, but yet it is not tribes, right? We don't belong to tribes. We don't belong to our denominations. We belong to Christ. And when we allow ourselves to submit to a tribe, to a church, and its whole being, of way of being, we have now submitted to uniformity over unity. Sorry if you heard that. I live in New York City, so you're going to hear <laughs> New York City noises and sounds. But we have now submitted to uniformity over unity. And what that means is that we are trying to make Christianity look, sound and be one specific way. And I don't mean in in the best way. I mean that we all dress the same. We all sound the same. We all think the same. And that's just not uh, healthy or normal. You know, we all make the joke about like, oh, you know, what a typical worship leader, a singer looks like with the with the leather jacket and the white T-shirt and jeans But honestly, y'all, that is a sign of tribalism. That is a sign of uniformity. So although we make fun of it and laugh at it, perhaps there's a bigger picture to look at when it comes to that. That's yes, it's funny, but that's also not good. It's also not good that we can, from afar, tell someone is a part of a worship team because of how they dress, because what that's saying is that now there is a uniform and it is perpetuating uniformity, which likely ends up perpetuating scandals and church abuse and hurt. The fourth thing is knowers' self-centered approach. What I mean by that is people who know that a pastor or a Christian has hurt, abused, or or caused someone harm, but because they have not personally experienced that with that person, they will then not hold them accountable. They will then not confront them or talk to them about that. They will then not consider and believe the person who has been hurt. They'll say, well, he was nice to me, or she really helped me. They'll say things like that. And the thing is, that could be true, y'all. No one is saying that, that person that abused someone else wasn't nice to you maybe they were a good pastor to you maybe they were kind to you maybe they were a good friend to you maybe they really did disciple you all of those things can absolutely be true but they do not change the fact that if that very person abused someone hurt someone wounded someone was actually part of a scandal it doesn't change that right and so by acknowledging that if we are the know of someone that we actually personally love and know who has loved us well, and that same person is someone who has hurt or harmed someone else, and we dismiss it because of our experience with them, then we are perpetuating church abuse. We are allowing scandals to be, we are perpetuating hurt. It doesn't mean that you have to completely hate the person because of what they did to someone else. But it doesn't mean you dismiss the what happened to the other person because of who they have been with you. The fifth thing is, and I know we all know this is platforms and celebrity culture. Oh goodness, right? Platforms and celebrity culture. This idea that we elevate people based on what we like that they say, maybe how they're dressed, um perhaps even out of controversy (laughs) a lot of people are elevated and given a platform because they say controversial things whatever it may look like but these are the things that definitely perpetuate church abuse scandals and hurt right i could tell you probably if you go to any church that has a celebrity pastor there are probably many many stories of people experiencing wounds in that church because it is not healthy. We as a body, no one is meant to be a celebrity. No one is meant to be a celebrity within the Christian culture. No one is meant to have a platform that is so heavy and so big that it goes above what people seek out of Christ. And so we we need to actually repent of being a part of this culture, of perpetuating it, of accepting it, of amplifying it, of, of supporting it. And so I would say even invite you to take a second now to think about who are celebrity pastors or platforms or Instagram content creators or influence Christian influencers that you really like. Think about why you like them. Think about why you've bought their book. Think about why you've listened to their sermon. Think about why you've listened to to their podcast. Think about it and really consider, right? What am I learning from them? How are they biblically sound? Have there been moments that they haven't been biblically sound? Do I like them because everyone else likes them? Do I like them because they're charismatic? Really asking yourself these questions. Because once we start asking ourselves these questions, we'll realize, okay, that's just a regular person. I perhaps have learned some things from them, but I don't need to elevate them or make them or help them grow in such a way that that they are above Christ, right? Because so much of this does perpetuate church abuse, scandals, and hurt. Hey friends, just wanna take a second here to remind you that the Sower Summit is happening here in New York City this summer. This is a conference for women to grow and glorify God. We'll have different speakers. We'll have multilingual worship in English, Spanish, and Korean. We'll have multi-ethnic worship. We'll have gospel, coritos, CCM, and hymns. We're gonna have breakout session. Panel discussions are an essential conversations, including one related to this episode. We're gonna have actually a very intentional time of serving and doing doing justice in the local area that we'll be having the conference. We'll be having Selah meditations, moments of sisterhood, so many things going on for the two and a half days that we will meet from June 29th to July 1st. We'd love to have you. The pre-sale tickets are live right now. You have one more day, just one more day to get the discount by saving $70. Go to the link in the show notes so you can be able to get access to that. All right, we are back. Now we're going to continue with number six, disbelief disbelief not believing people who actually go through these things whether it was a financial scandal or a sexual scandal or it was a spiritual abuse experience or it was religious trauma or it was overworking or misusing someone or communicating and in a manipulative way and gaslighting people we need to believe people y'all we need to believe people Jesus believes them and believes us but sometimes that really can't feel like enough to be siloed and to not be believed by anyone else because when we don't believe people we too continue to perpetuate all of these things and so it's essential and important that we believe people. Believing people not with doubts, not with questions that make them feel like they're being questioned, but actually believing people. There's actually a resource on our website, wearefullcollective.com, which is a resource called "Being: uh, How to Be the Body for People Who Have Been Hurt by the Church. And it gives you some, some tips on trauma-informed languages and approaches on how to do that. We'll add it to the show notes as well. It's a free resource. Definitely encourage you to check it out if perhaps you have had these conversations in the past before, but people still have felt like they weren't believing by you or that it didn't turn out to be a good or healthy conversation now the seventh thing is perspective when we don't see church abuse when we don't see church hurt and trauma as a justice issue then we actually don't treat it as an injustice issue and an injustice is an experience someone has had that likely causes them to experience and be dehumanized can you say that someone who's experienced church abuse is has not been dehumanized? Absolutely. And so we need to look at this from the lens and have a perspective that every time someone experiences church abuse, every single time someone is hurt by the church in a severe, a traumatic way, this is an injustice. And because it's injustice, we must then respond to it with the work of justice by being justice, by showing up and living justly as the church for that person, but also for the people who have caused this person harm for the person who did the injustice. Number eight is non-action centered apologies. Now I believe there is power in apologies, right? I'm very intentional when I apologize, when I say sorry to someone, you know, it is a very important thing for us to be people who apologize, who repent, who do that in a way, right? But An apology, even a repentance, can also just be words. It can just be words. It needs to include action. Because when it doesn't include action, or whether an action from our end, because we are holding the people accountable, we are stepping them down, or action from people's end, they're choosing to go to therapy, whatever it looks like. When action doesn't happen, how can we rest assured that one, it won't happen again? How can we also rest assured and show others that we are then taking this seriously, right? Not just, and when I say others, I mean the world too, y'all. I mean the world too, because the world is watching. Not every Christian news and scandal and thing that happens Uh, shows up in the world or secular news but some of it does some of it does a lot of what Hillsong does shows up in the news a lot of what other churches and people do show up in the news so it is important for us to take these injustices seriously and not just accept a verbal apology or repentance action steps action plans right okay we're going to step you down and then you're going to do this for six months you're going to do this for a year and then from there, this will be the next step. And this is how we will reevaluate. Um, and this is who you'll get feedback from. And this is who will be discipling you. And this is the therapy you will go through. Like literally making a plan, right? Because also just stepping someone down is not going to probably change them. <laughs> Even if you just fire them, right? And people could just say, well, that's just an, justice is enough. And it's not. We, we don't say that when, you know, and actually some people say this when, for example, a black, uh, Man or a black person is killed by the police um, with no reasoning in regards to criminality um, or that even that they were attacking the police officer. Then they are killed. People say, "Oh, justice has been served" when the police officer goes to jail. I actually don't think that. I think justice is served by creating a system where cops are not killing black people. That is the work, y'all. That is when justice is served. That is when we're living in a just world. Let's be more focused on the preventative work. But if we do have to intervene, the intervention work has to be more effective. It's not just about firing, right? Uh, And so we have to really consider what are the next steps in relation to that. Number nine, ignoring discernment. For everyone who has given their life to Jesus, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit within us. He's the third person in the Trinity. He is God. He is discerning. He is wise. He is with us. He is within us. And he is constantly speaking. He is constantly guiding us. He is constantly convicting us. So if you are experiencing some sort of conviction or vision or access to understanding of something and you ignore it, that's a big deal, y'all. That is a big deal to be discerning and to know something and still act as if you are ignoring that discernment. You are ignoring that conviction. You are ignoring that information is not something that honors God. I remember in our last church uh, that we were part of, I worked there as well. I quit um, because I just, the Lord actually told me to. And uh, in March, 2019, I was fasting and he told me to, and then I actually delayed it. I waited a few months to even quit um and then and I, ex- I experienced a lot of shame when i quit like i was it was projected onto me and then i actually stayed for five months more because to find a replacement for me um but then i had this peace when i left i was like yes thank i'm i'm done you know with this space we kept going to the church for a few more months um but then the pandemic hit and i was really really done like i left right and with my mind um And then in the fall is when my husband also had that like feeling and we both left. But when in the fall, when we really decided to leave, a week before we communicated that um, was, I had this vision and I won't communicate the vision because I don't think it was something that God had for me to communicate to the world, but just mainly for me and my husband. And, but what it did include is a, basically a warning to leave, right? To stop delaying and to actually officially leave this community and we did. And now y'all, a few years later, that pa- that pastor is no longer the pastor of that church. He was stepped down, um, and recently either resigned or fired. It's unclear because people love to cover the truth. Um, but you know, the Lord was preventing us. We already experienced not good things there, right? So he was preventing from even worse things for us to be there. Right. And so, if I would have ignored that, we probably would have been going through a lot more. Even now, having to experience him being stepped down for something he did, and then you know being fired or resigning. And so it's so important that we don't ignore the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we don't ignore uh, what information we have. I know that that same fall that we left, a lot of people also were informed of what was going on, and many stayed, and many still are there. And you know, I'm not going to share what necessarily I think about that, but what I do consider is that the holy spirit gives us warnings he communicates things to us and we need to respond and be we we need to be willing to respond even if it's uncomfortable even if it's difficult even if it's something that is us stepping out of our comfort zone even if that means we're leaving community and it really hurts even if it means that we have to go through the dreadful journey of finding a new church which trust me i know it's so hard and we're still in that process but Although the past three years have been so hard, church, searching for a church healing, I am so glad we left when we left, right? Because, and I'm so glad that I also chose to listen to the Holy Spirit. So choosing to not ignore discernment, to not ignore information that you heard and know about, to not ignore signs and red flags, that is essential, To not being uh, an an additional person that perpetuates church abuse. Because also, when we ignore these things, not just for the health benefit of us leaving, but also when we ignore them, then the things continue, right? The things continue to happen. The things continue to, and not just happen, sometimes grow and elevate. And so it's essential for us to not ignore uh, the discernment or information or access the Holy Spirit is giving us. And then the last thing is to not consider their hurt or harm that was caused as abuse. What I mean by that is not naming things. When we don't name things, then we perpetuate them, right? If we don't call something an injustice, then it will not be treated as an injustice. If we don't call something as abuse, it will not be treated as abuse. If we don't call something traumatic, it will not be treated as traumatic. But scandals, church scandals, church abuse, church wounds, church hurt, all of it, all of those things, we need to name them what they are. It's not just that like, oh, he did that and it was a mistake. No, y'all, that's called a scandal. <laughs> you know, it's it's not that, oh, she, you know, was just, was just like very manipulative and like made us do all. That. No, that's called spiritual abuse, right? Like when we call things what they are, and if you want to learn a little bit more about naming things and what to know how to identify as things, check out our Compassionate Conversations course, the session specifically on... Uh, church abuse and church hurt and serving those because we talk about uh, titles and labels there and really give biblical understanding for each and how they actually show up in the church but this one is so important in really considering uh, I think of as a person of color I've been having this conversation recently where there is a lot of mainly if you look the people who are talking about church hurt and church abuse and church trauma and even deconstruction I would say a big majority are white people. And I think mainly, and I've come to kind of like this hypothesis, and I absolutely could be wrong, but I think it's mainly because within communities of color, the word abuse is not really used that much. We, It has to be incredibly... Like the worst thing you've ever experienced in the world to actually call something abuse. Because within our families, within our cultures, abuse actually is happening, but we're not calling it that. And by not naming it and calling it that, sometimes we don't get the help we need. We don't get the support we need, right? And so if you're listening to this and you're a person of color and you have not called it abuse yet and you feel that, yeah, perhaps it was abuse, I, I want you to have the freedom to use that word, friend have the freedom to use that word that it doesn't belong to any culture any specific group of people if that was your experience then absolutely name what it is so god can heal it based on what you are calling it and so people can support you and love you well based on what you are calling it and so those are the 10 things y'all these are the 10 things i feel that really perpetuate church abuse church scandals church wounds church hurt religious trauma racial trauma within the church i really feel that these are things and they and really this List is endless. There's a lot more other things, but I think this is like one of, these are the top 10 things that really we get to pay attention to. So I hope in listening to this, uh, I'm sure there was moments that you were uncomfortable. There were moments that you felt like, dang, that's me. I'm really doing this. I'm perpetuating this. I have done that. And so what I hope, what that causes the conviction is causes action you don't need to feel shame you don't need to feel guilt what you get to do is action if you feel led to repent very much do so but also that just this causes you to shift how you show up in the body how you show up with christians how you show up in the world how you live out this walk that jesus is inviting us into as christians because this like i said is a problem that is within the body that really matters to all of us because we are a body and if you are someone who has experienced church hurt, church wounds, racial, uh, uh, racial trauma, religious trauma within the church, then I invite you to join for the Healing from the Body course coming uh, later this month that is starting later this month. Actually, um, it has not officially launched, but if you go to the show notes, there is a link in there so you can get more information for the course that opens March 13th. I did this last year and I'm doing it again, but this time it's a two-fold. I'm doing it for both one group is going to be those who are healing from religious trauma and the other one is those who are healing from racial trauma in the context of a church and so I really hope you consider this if this is some sort of kind of resource that you need it's going to be a course and community so there will be content biblical content mental health content but there also will be time for community and processing things and going through things. We're going to have guest speakers come in to teach and minister to you. And I really think it's going to bless you if you are in that process or you have been harmed, abused, or hurt by the church. I really thank you y'all for listening to this episode. This has really been on my heart for a while. And if you have other other ideas, definitely please reach out to me, email me. And I would love for us to have uh, more conversations around this topic because it matters, especially for us to make this action oriented, not just to hear these things. but be action-oriented people. So again, thanks for joining me for today. We've got quite a few great episodes coming up in the next few weeks with some really special guests. So hope you'll stick around, subscribe if you haven't already, and thank you again. Y'all, I pray that conversation blessed you and that you're able to apply something you either learned or heard to your continued growth on your faith journey. I invite you to study more on the scriptures we talked about on this episode and don't let any conviction you experience go without prayer and action. Share any thoughts or testimonies you may have by leaving us a rate or review and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Meet us next time for another episode and if you don't already, follow us on Instagram following at Perselli's PD or at we.r.fool to learn more about our growing community and get connected with us.